Welcome to the Team Packed Podcast with your host, Quinton Pools. We hope to inspire you to think critically and biblically about current issues facing our culture, challenge you to make a difference in your community, and ultimately change the world. Hey, everybody, it's Quinn, and I'm the host of the Teen Pack Podcast, and I'm really excited that you're joining us for this next episode. We're going to be talking about discerning the next step that you're taking in your life. Um, you might be in high school, you might be in college, you might be um, married, you might be single, you might be a parent of a teen, but you're trying to discern what is next in your life um, and how do you walk faithfully with the Lord through that. And so I've asked my friend Rachel Adams, not Rachel McAdams, the actress, but Rachel Adams to join us on the podcast. Rachel's a former teen pactor um, who grew up in Oregon. Um, hey, I also grew up in Oregon. How about that? We did classes together as students and um, as staffers. We were at the very first staff training in 2010 together on the front row on the first night where we met Jennifer Sullivan, who many teen pactors know. And, um, and those friendships and those years just continue to be, um, I think, a, a, a firm foundation that, that my ministry work has been built on. And I think that it's led uh, Rachel to a lot of uh, wise um, paths and, and, and points of you know, decision making. And so I've asked her to join us. Um, so Rachel, thanks for coming on the podcast. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. So if you don't mind, give us give us a short like bio of, you know, you, you were in Teen Pact, you you know, you did that, you staffed, you you were involved in Teen Pact pretty heavily and and I think you did NCFCA speech and debate and then you went off to college and like give us the where like fast forward to where you are today. Like how how did that all happen? <laughs> how did I end up in the Midwest? <laughs> yes, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I did Teen Pact and I did NCFCA. I went to school at Patrick Henry College for journalism, which seemed like a pretty natural progression from my high school education and uh, my love of writing. Graduated. I spent a couple of years in Seattle because it was back closer to home, um, working in like communications for a nonprofit before returning to World Magazine, where I'd done a lot of internships. Um, worked there for a couple of years. In that time, um, it became clear that my husband, Blake, was it was time for him to go back to school. So we came out to Wheaton for him to go to Wheaton. And, um, and I was still working for World. And I worked in journalism for a couple of years, kind of like living the dream, as my mom said. I got to work from home, and I loved world, and it was using my education. Um, and then through a series of steps I'm sure we'll end up talking about, I've switched over to working full-time almost for my church, um, which was surprising, and that's where we are now. So we're living in Wheaton still after Blake graduated with his master's just to stay at that church um, and to be involved there. So, yeah. Amazing. Living in an apartment, have a cat, <laughs> living our life. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, you know, certainly uh, a call to ministry, uh, you know, we could have our, our our own podcast episode just about that. Um, but what I want to do is kind of focus on those different crossroads in your life and my life mm -hmm. that, 
you know, we have to make a decision. What kind of college am I going to go to? Should I should I stay home or should I move out? Should I should I go to Christian school or a secular institution? Should I homeschool my children? Should I join this church or stay at this church, etc.? There's so many of those moments, and I kind of want to use just uh, some time, some conversation to this. Just think about how to do that wisely, how to do that with discernment. So, you know, I think it really comes down to this general sense of, I want to know the will of God in my life. Like for believers, you you want to walk the path that God has laid for you, but you just don't know what the path is. And some people, you know, in their vain ambition will just, you know, come up with their plan and work the plan and won't even introduce God to that process. And, and, and that I know is what we're not supposed to do. <laughs> um, <laughs> But, but then there's some of us that struggle so, so much um, with being confident that whatever decision I make is actually aligned with the will of God. And so um, I, I kind of just want to think about, you know, you, you mentioned before we got on here that, you know, going to a Christian college and specifically Patrick Henry College, even though it was nearly 3,000 miles away, like that was a fairly easy decision for you. They had a great journalism major. There was a great community there. There were a lot of factors that, that made that a little bit easier of a decision. But more recently, there's been some harder decisions. So when you come to a hard decision, what are some of the factors that you think through um, maybe stress about a little bit, maybe journal about, you know, like what, what, what does that look like for you? Yeah. Well, I don't want to downplay the angst of going 3000 miles away for school. Like the practicalities were obvious, but the, the actual like going involved a lot of <laughs> anxiety, but, um, I think, oh man, I have a lot of thoughts come to mind with that question. One of the baselines for me is someone gave me this book and I honestly don't even remember if it was very good because I read it so long ago, but when I graduated from high school called Just Do Something, I think they gave it to a lot of us. Um, which I think because I am one of those people you're describing who just wants to know like in detail, this is the path God wants me on and like I want him to just tell me. Um, kind of challenged me to think about like why, why do I assume God's will is like this obscure thing and it's my job to like divine the stars and figure out what it is. Like there's no indication in scripture that that's how that works. Um, so I think baseline, it was, it's helpful for me when I hit those crossroads to lower my anxiety a little bit by just remembering that like, okay, ultimately I do know what God's calling me to do. And it's to consistently grow in holiness. Like that's the baseline. And as long as I'm not contemplating an option where that's impossible, probably not going to ruin my life (laughs) and totally get myself Uh off off track. Um, So I try to, to start there. And then I think that's also a useful for me has been a useful decision-making metric. Like, all right, which decision or which road seems to be like an opportunity to grow more in holiness or to serve more. Um, I think that doesn't always answer the question, but it's been one that I've found helpful, um, even in just like counteracting some of my, you know, baser motivations and making decisions. Like it's more important that I can serve than that I grow my career, or it's mm. more important that I become holier than that I have a bigger paycheck. So those yeah. have been helpful things for me to think through. So at a lot of yeah, I'd love I'd love to think through that. So 
I can think of several people, like there's a couple of um, parents in my church that might be in their late 30s, early 40s. They're starting to have their teens, you know, come up in, into high school. And some of them are making the decision to, you know, do homeschooling or a co-op where it's it's fairly insulated. It's it's very much a Christian community and and there's kind of a safety net there. And then there's other parents at our church, and and they're godly and 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 very thoughtful about this. But they have intentionally put their children in the local high school, and mm-hmm. um and they have a they have a desire for their young people to engage with other non-believers that they would have friendships with that they could influence. Um, and these aren't you know these aren't immature young people. These are you know young people that have been discipled really well by their their parents. But it just occurred to me that you could have parents making totally different decisions about their education choices for their children, one being, you know, Christian community context and the other being a very secular context. And yet the goal of personal holiness and being closer to Christ and magnifying Christ is still, it's still the base point or, or like the lens that they're making that decision through. Um, so I really love that you're, you're starting there. How do you, how do you deal with the the natural anxiety that comes with just kind of the pressure of the moment like a lot of a lot of teen pactors that might listen to the podcast or parents of teen pact students you know there's there's so much pressure in kind of that junior year senior year of high school you're you're you it feels like the weight of your your life and your entire future is on your shoulders and and you could mess it up and so what would you say to somebody who just kind of feels the weight of that and kind of is stressed out? <laughs> um, so me, um, what would I say to me? Yeah, <laughs> I think, <laughs> um, oh man, I think so much of it is like, um, I mean, like so many other things, I feel like it comes back to the question of, who's running my life. And so if I'm, if I'm coming at it from the perspective of like, well, I'm making decisions about what my life is going to be. And I have the capacity to totally mess it up. Like there is, there's truth in that. Right. But like for a young person who is seeking to follow the Lord and know his will. And, and I think this is also key and is listening to the godly people in their life and trying to make that decision, I think there's got to be a certain level of surrender of like, God doesn't expect me to know the future. In fact, he actually expects me to make decisions not knowing the future. And that's actually part of learning to trust him is, is being able to make decisions within the parameters he's given me, trusting that like wherever I end up, he'll still be there to meet me and walk me through, which is not to say you can't make a decision with the best of intentions. Um, and still make a mistake. You can, but, but I mean, even there, God's going to meet you. Right. So I think a lot of the anxiety is recognizing like God is already in my future and I'm going to meet him there regardless of Mm. which path I choose, as long as I'm doing it in an attempt to honor him and like do so under biblical authority and with the godly resources he's given me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love that. There's, there's a missing, there's an entire like, missing element to like if you basically just like take proverbs for example and just like devoid of the rest of scripture you just kind of take these principles and you're like oh if i 
do this with my money. And if I do this, like it's prescriptive of success or it's Mm -hmm. prescriptive of comfort or, you know, whatever the thing may be. And in reality, like all of those proverbs are actually meant to be guiding how you walk with God and how you honor God and how you place your faith in God. And it reminds me of, you know, even like Hebrews 11, where it reflects on all of the different, uh, you know, kind of key individuals who represent faith in Yahweh and the Old Testament and and how like Abraham just believed God and it was counted to him mm-hmm. as righteousness. Like he he just had he had faith that what God was leading him through is providential and God's sovereign hand was over that. And, and he could trust that. And I think there's this whole, at least for me, and and maybe this is true of a lot of us in kind of an American context, which is just so rampant with, you know, individualism, like you want to control every little thing. Like you want to control the outcome. You want to Mm -hmm. know the outcome from the point that you make the decision. And so if I make this decision today and I go into debt for school, or if I make this decision today and I don't homeschool my children or whatever the thing may be, I want to, it's almost like you want to contract with God that it's still going to work out and this is the right way. And Mm -hmm. it's like, well, it might not work out the way that you think, but God is in your future and he's going to be there to walk with you. And you're going to become like more sanctified, more holy, like, and that's the ultimate good. So are you willing to do that? Are you willing to put your faith in God? And ah, uh, man, that that's where the rubber meets the road, I think. I'm, I'm so glad that you're just like, mm-hmm. I don't know, just clanging that bell because that is that that to me is the hardest thing in my my own decision making. Yeah, well, I know I think you're like really hitting on something with the control factor. And it's it's just so part of the waters we swim in that like if we make all the right decisions, everything will be OK. And like the goal is actually for us to be OK and comfortable. And so that's why we panic about making the right decision. But that's just not the gospel. <laughs> and it's mm. also not, I feel like it's so much like not actually the life that Christians are called to, which is just always going to involve uncertainty and suffering and embracing that and being at peace with God anyway. And I mean, I even think, I, I hope this is like not too off base or like, I don't know. As, as Blake and I have walked through some difficult things in the last couple of months, he, he, he read me this bit of a poem by G.K. Chesterton. It's like oh, this long epic poem about King Alfred <laughs> called <laughs> The Ballad of the White Horse. But anyway. I'm glad we're going so here. This, this, I know. We're, I mean, you knew you were interviewing me. Quite, like, <laughs> it was going to be like Lewis or someone. Yes. So anyway, this one stanza, he talks about how in other cultures, people are constantly trying to read the stars or, you know, like try to see the future. And then he finishes up with, but men who, who bear the cross of Christ go gaily in the dark. Like that that's actually wow. part of what it means to be a Christian yeah. is to step into the unknown, knowing Christ goes with me and, and forsaking the pagan ways of trying to control and know the future. Like mm. that's not what Christians do. And I think that like, that may feel like way pie in the sky to someone trying to decide where they're going to college. But I actually think it's a helpful reminder that like you are so expected to like know what you're doing and how you're going to get there. And like, that's all fine and good. But ultimately like you, you may have the best plan in the world and God's going to say in five years, like <laughs> we're taking a massive detour mm-hmm. or what seems like a massive detour to you. Mm-hmm. 
So so let's I'm let's jump falling. into that because there have been a couple moments in my life where it felt like God totally redirected things. Um, I'll, I'll give you the brief story. In, in 2012, I was traveling with Worldview Academy. There was uh, a teen packed in Worldview staffer named Valen Caldwell, um, who I think you know. And she asked mm-hmm. me if I was willing to consider uh, a life in ministry. And I said, no, not really. And she said, would you at least pray about it? <laughs> and I, I raise my voice. I was like, no, Valen, I'm not going to pray about it. And it, <laughs> and it revealed something about like, okay, well maybe I'm, I'm not willing to do something that God's actually calling me to do. And so I spent several weeks that summer just praying through that, talking to different people that I trusted that, you know, kind of in my circle. And by the end of the summer found out teen pack leadership schools is hiring uh, to for a role that Lydia Shanks is going to be retiring out of and yada yada and uh, and Quinn we think you would be like a good person for that so I interview I end up taking that position and move yeah I mean real close to where Percival is so like you know I move the same amount mm-hmm. same distance as you uh, far far away from family didn't make sense to my family didn't make sense to my friends but I I had a, a clear direction that I felt you know, God was calling me to, and it was weird because I, I wanted to do a life in medicine and now I'm being called to a life of ministry. And I kind of want to get into that with your story because here you were, um, like it seemed to me like a lot of the decisions you were making were, were really equipping you for a life in journalism. And that was going to be like your Mm -hmm. career path. Like, I mean, the, the relationships that you forged at PHC and with World News Group and the internships that you did and the writing projects that you were able to do and and just it was culminating in many ways and and then something happened and when we when we talked mm-hmm. uh, several months back I was like wait what like what is like God has <laughs> done what in your life so tell us a little bit about that story and like what what led to a shift to where you're now working for your local church. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, oh, first I have to comment on, like, as you were telling your story, I kept thinking of something um, an older woman in my church, Val, talks about, which is resistance. And, like, often when we hit resistance, it's actually a place God's inviting us to grow. And, like, I found that to be so true. It's such a helpful concept. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, excellent question. So for me, I'm actually going to mention Val again because, that particular decision, there's not like one way you make a decision. You know, they all kind of play out in their own ways. Um, and the one to go into ministry, I think, as I was actually listening to Val talk about discernment and making decisions, she she actually described my process retrospectively without realizing it, which was that oftentimes our callings are born out of our wounded places that God has healed. Um, and, and that like the classic example of that is Christ, you know, that his calling was the cross and that, mm, mm-hmm. and if his calling was the salvation of the world, it came out of, out of that place. Um, so, so my story to like try to keep it kind of short when we were in Seattle. So that would have been, uh, right after I graduated in 2015 through like 2018. Um, that was actually a really difficult time for Blake and I, like I had um, some pretty significant health issues and going on. And at the same time, um, my really 
like the closest people in my community back home. There was just some really devastating things that happened um, kind of all at the same time that, and also Seattle is just a really hard place to live. We were like right in downtown and I was like commuting every day. Um, the combination of all those things put me into a season of really deep depression and, um, which I'd never really experienced before. So I didn't know what was happening. I was like, I guess this is my life now. Like, I yeah. just, um, it came with kind of a crisis of faith at the same time. And, and during that period, those three years that were just so hard, um, and, and like praying was really difficult, like all the classic things, right. Mm. Of dark night of the soul type situation. Yeah. Um, yep. during that period, we were going to a little Presbyterian church and it was like the one bright spot in my, in my, in Blake, in my life is we would go to church on Sunday and we'd have these people who we didn't even know very well, just like come around us and we would take communion and, and there was like some comfort there of like, as long as I show up, like I get, I get communion. I don't have to like do anything to earn that. Um, and so I didn't see that as anything in particular at the time, except like a life preserver. Yeah. Um, and then when we moved to Wheaton um, and started going to the church we're going to now, it's like compressed things significantly. Hi, cat. My cat's attacking me. <laughs> um, during our first Easter week there, they take Easter very seriously. They do all the services. It's a lot of services. Um, and on the Good Friday service, um, I, through the prayer ministry of one of our pastors and, and a lot of other factors, ended up experiencing, like, just this really deep inner healing that didn't fix my depression or, like, wasn't like a light switch, but it was, it's easy to look back and be like, somehow through the ministry of that church and those pastors, um, God used them to like start an upward trajectory in my, my mental health and my emotional health and even my physical health. And, and it's so interesting to look back and be like, it was at that exact same time in that same week that this seed, this confusing little seed was planted of like, I just want to be at the center of whatever is happening here. I don't know what that means. I've never considered ministry. I'm living the life that I've always planned on living. So maybe, you know, at the time it just involved like doing a lot of volunteering. Um, and I just, I want to be at the center of whatever's happening there because I had seen the power of it. Right. That like, yeah. Um, Blake always says like, God often calls you to minister to others in the way he's ministered to you most powerfully. Um, and, and, and that's what ended up happening. Like COVID hit shortly after. So we obviously weren't at church for quite a long time. Um, but like even through that and like first like volunteering on various teams more and more and more to the point that like one of our pastors was like, ah, I think you're in this building like more than me. <laughs> Amazing. Uh-huh. Um, and then, um, and then finally one of them was just like, you know, we need a new discipleship manager. You're here all the time. Anyway, I keep hearing you say you want to do more, but you can't because you have a job, <laughs> Uh huh. but you could, if your job was here. 
Mm. Um, we actually ended up moving closer to the church so we could be there more often during that period. So, um, I mean, if you have specific questions where I could like elaborate on different parts of that, but I think the baseline is that he shifted my direction by ministering to me in a really unexpected way. And then Mm. saying, I want you to do that also, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Um, well, I'm just coming off of a, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, just the, if you're trying to grow in holiness and that's just being close to Christ and that's where I was seeing him. So that's what was drawing me, you know? Yeah. yeah. I, I'm just coming off of a pastor's conference that I attended where so many of the pastors that are there, it wasn't like they were a PK and decided to go into ministry or it wasn't that, you know, you know, that they, you know, had always intended this and, and, you know, went to seminary right out of college, et cetera. Like some of them, like there's one guy that we do ministry with that's uh, an hour away from us. And, and he, it's actually a couple hours here in Virginia, but he uh, was like a baseball player in like the Red Sox minor league system and was going like that whole route. And then God like totally redirected him into ministry. And like, for me, I was going to be going into medicine and now I'm into ministry. And like I said, we're not we're not wanting to turn the whole podcast episode into why you should be called to ministry or something like that, because some people are called to ministry in a different context than a local church. But mm-hmm. I want to think about just kind of the the principles um, of 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 how that came to be, because so you, you know, as we're kind of wrapping up here, you you talked about how through the care that God brought you that it, it kind of redirected some things. It kind of shifted some, some goals. Did you find that there were certain sacrifices that you had to make um, in terms of uh, maybe certain achievements that you were aiming for, certain longevity in journalism? Like basically you, you had to give up something, I imagine. Um, mm-hmm. And what were some of the hardest things that you had to give up that someone else might have to give up if God called them to move to a different city or go to college or, you know, or, shift from one career path to another or get married when you didn't think you were going to get married soon. And, you know, all of those sorts of things, like, uh, what were some of the things that were hard or, or maybe easy, but, but things you had to sacrifice? Mm-hmm. Well, I take a pay cut. <laughs> okay. Yep. <laughs> uh, first of all, um, I, I, I kind of tease my, the pastor that I am an assistant for, I tease him. Like I gave up two promotions to be here, so you should be nice to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, which is true, I did. Um, and, and then I think there's like, so I'm, I do consider myself in ministry, but like, just to be clear, I'm in an administrative role, you know? Yeah. Um, which involves a lot of ministry, partially because my, my supervisors know that I want to learn and grow in that and they give me a lot of opportunities. But like, I think there's just a certain um, as I was making that decision, I really struggled that I was going to disappoint people because I was like in this pipeline, I had all these people who invested in me and I made it. And, and like, and now I'm going to go be like a church admin. <laughs> like, I mean, like you were expressing it, like you were like, what is Rachel doing? <laughs> you know? Um, and and it's hard to explain why without like this whole long story and like without knowing my particular church, like yeah. people are just not yeah. going to get it. <laughs> um, and, and like, it's easy for me to see how like actually my background with my journalistic training has been really helpful in my job. I don't think I could have done my, the church work I'm doing without that background, but like, 
I don't know if that's going to make my journalism professor feel better, you know? Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, so you're, de you're and... dealing with giving up uh, kind of certain financial stability, um, certain um, kind of ambition that you had for what that career would look like. You had to give up expectations that other people who have mm -hmm. invested a lot in this path uh, might have for you and still have for you. Um, mm -hmm. That a lot so, of flexibility I gave up. Yeah, yeah. So working from home to like working at a location. What what ultimately gives you, I don't know, the the hope to make a decision like that? Like for me, um, there di those different points of my life. Um, God God has granted me a lot of just faith for those moments, um, and I admit that that's mm -hmm. not that's not everyone's experience. That there's just like this perfect peace that surpasses all understanding right <clears> in that <throat> moment when you're like needing to make this super anxious decision or whatever, like. <laughs> but there there was this sense of like in God's providence, I know that that you know what? God's got this. And and like I have a friend uh who I think you also know, Ben Solom, who actually went to Wheaton uh, as a freshman, was planning on uh, I think he even had like a full ride scholarship. He was planning on going to Wheaton all four years and he for whatever reason felt like God was calling him to a different community and a different school and so he ended up transitioning over to Liberty and graduated from Liberty 4 years later and that didn't make sense to anybody because he had this awesome opportunity mm -hmm. at Wheaton and now he just sensed that the Lord was leading him elsewhere and he was talking to wise people in his life and all these things. But what gives you the confidence to make a decision like that? Cause, cause when everything else from a, like it on paper, you shouldn't make that decision. Like what do you, what do you do when on paper it doesn't make sense, but you, you believe it. You believe that there's something about mm -hmm. this this path that's different that I I ought to. There's a there's an ought to to it. Um, mm -hmm. What what gives you the confidence to make that decision? Um, well, I'm gonna put in a pitch for prayer journaling because I actually think that like on one hand it was a complete trajectory change, right? And on paper didn't make sense. But if but when I look back in like my prayer life, the trajectory was actually really clear that that was like in my relationship with God, this made the most sense, which is the most important relationship. Right. Mm. Um, so I think there is a, a, a sense of rightness that's coming not from like career path, but from the road I've been walking with, with Jesus for a really long time. Yeah. Um, so I think that's part of it. I think the other part is like, well, if, if you are so blessed as to have that confidence, right. That like, I, it's really hard, but I actually do know that like, if I wasn't doing this, it would be disobedience. I mean, I think that in itself is the hope that like, well, if he's calling me here, then there's gotta be something there. And, um, and it might be harder than what I'm coming from. And actually there's a good chance it will be harder than what I'm coming from. But in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Correct. But if, but if I'm following close behind him, which is the goal, then I will be with him. And like, ultimately the ultimate gift is, is Christ himself. And, um, and that is the hope. You yeah. know, that like yeah. he's going to do something bigger in this other road than I could build by myself in the other one. 
Yeah, that's really good. And and to kind of close the loop on that, you know, if if you as a listener are in a place or have been in a place in the past, you know, that you're making these sorts of decisions, you you probably can relate to one of these two categories we've talked about, either being, you know, having this sense that no, this is the right path that I'm supposed to go on. I'm supposed to take this next step and just praying for the faith to to trust God with that. But then if you don't know and and you've gone through, you know, wise godly counsel and lots of, you know, you know, discerning questions and, you know, and and even journaling and all the things like but you might still come to a place where you say within the boundaries of growing in personal holiness, there are still several options and I have no idea which one to go toward. Um, that really brings it back full circle to the book that you referenced earlier, Kevin DeYoung's Just Do Something, which is mm-hmm. within those boundaries, which are the good boundary lines that God has placed for us, there is there is blessing. And so you can, in mm-hmm. faith, make one of those decisions. You can go to that school instead of this school. You can move here or move there or stay home or like, and and there will be blessing because like you have said multiple times in our conversation, God is in your future. God is there. God is with you. God will be with you. And I think that's the hope that we have for any decision we ever make because it's ultimately mm-hmm. his providential hand that's going to be guiding us and and ultimately guiding us home to him. So Rachel, thanks so much for joining us for this conversation. Um, I consider you a personal friend and I love that you share such a teen-packed history uh, that that aligns with a lot of mine in terms of you know, just all the, those years of being invested in as a leader and then you coming back and investing in other young leaders. Um, so thank you for that. And um, we're really excited um, just for you and Blake as you continue to serve in ministry. And I hope that you have a great day. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us for this special edition of the Team Packed Podcast. Have any questions about today's episode? Send us an email at communications at teampack.com, or you can visit our website for more information about our programs and state classes.